Let's see if we can get some uh, Marismal propaganda going. Welcome to Radio Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension, within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie. Welcome to another episode of Radio Free Murktown. This episode is number 54. I am as, I am your host, as always, Lloyd, a.k.a. Jezebel and Acheron Explorers Unlimited. Uh, and we have a whole host of guests today. And we're just going to use the <laughs> the uh, assortment, or however you want to call it, in, in uh, the Radio Free Murktown voice chat and go down from there. Everybody introduce yourselves and your primary characters, what have you. Uh, say a little bit about yourselves, and we'll go from there. So, John, that starts with you. Hi, I am John. I I play Selenadaria in AAPS. Hello, I am James, and I play Lomat in the Arismal Roll20 game. Hi, my name's Kyle. I am uh, Some of All Fears, the GM for Mars. My name is Nate. I play Underguard, which is the GM for girls and AAPS, and also take part in the Resurrection Arismal campaign as Donovan Pierce. Hey, my name is Nikki. I'm better known as Agency, the AGM for the Frontiersmen on uh, on the Rift side. And then also on Roll20, I'm helping Lloyd out with the Arismal game there. All righty, so we got an interesting... Uh... <laughs> a, a unidirectional uh, kind of uh, podcast today, and we're just covering uh, some group spotlights that have been overlooked for far too long. Uh, so we're going to be covering uh, the group Heroes for Hire, the group The Roughnecks, and the kind of newest group uh, that's exclusive to World 20, and that is the uh, Heroes Limited uh, uh, Galactic Resurrection campaign. And uh, we'll be going in order there. And so uh, let's uh, let's just and, and I've been the GM of every one of these groups, so I could just fill this time with my noise, but I think it's more interesting to get the players' perspectives. <clears throat> and so uh, let's keep this kind of order of discussion and go from the top down. And uh, let's start off with here's for hire. Uh, who's in the group? Uh, what's the deal? Uh, what's the group done, etc. And uh, we'll start off with the, the top of the court. 
as their active uh, assistant game master, I think I'll, I'll guess I'll start with that. Um, Heroes for Hire is sort of one of the uh, good guy groups that we have on EU. Really good guy that try to actually stay with the good guy model for the most part, led by a cyber knight that has a really kind of straightforward moral compass. Um, I acted as their temporary uh, their temporary GM for a while while their GM was out and about. Um, and right now they're facing all sorts of ethical and moral dilemmas that are being that are being put forth before them, which uh, Kyle can actually comment on a little bit more. Yeah, so currently Heroes for Hire, um, I've only been with them for a couple of months now. Uh, I have the newest character to the group. Uh, but yeah, what Nate said is absolutely true. There's, um, we've been taken back to uh, the time that the Rifts actually came about in Earth, um, per the Rifts lore. Uh, so we're interacting with people from what would be basically our time in real life with Rifts characters. And so it's, it's about trying to bring understanding and trying not to kill the people who don't really understand what you are and what you can do. Um, yeah. So I have a question about that. Go ahead. All right. So is this uh, sort of a time travel episode of, of sorts? Yes, it is. How are some of the characters? Um, well, I know Roneth is a DB. Do you have other DBs in the group? How, how are you dealing with that in the modern time? So actually, my character is one of the, uh, the biggest DBs in, in the group. Everyone else can look and pass for a human. Uh, my character is a felinoid, so she looks like a cat person. Um, so she's the most obvious out of everybody that it, she's not human at all. Uh, and that has, been, uh, that has been a challenge. Uh, luckily, the, the group found my character floating in the river pulled her out and uh, they've helped the, the other people that we've been rescuing to uh, kind of accept her. And she, she understands, uh, the character has an understanding that you know, she, she's dealt with bigotry uh, growing up before in, in even rifts, so she's, she's used to it. Uh, but she's actually one of the few characters who's not actually a good person. Um, she's aberrant by, uh, um, by alignment. So she's not the nicest person, but she's a very uh, um, happy-go-lucky kind of character. So it's been interesting uh, uh, trying to get her to uh, dance in tune with the, the rest of H4H. Just wait until she meets Zoe. That'll probably be interesting. And who is the Zoe character? Zoe is the uh, assistant game master's NPC. She started out as my original character, though. She's oh, really? Not, yeah, and uh, she's not terribly fond of DBs, and uh, she's a bit of a hypochondriac, so um, that can make things pretty interesting as well. Well, that's okay. I already interacted with Jack McDermott, who's a uh, he's a human wilderness scout, and his. Uh, his whole thing for, for DBs is like he almost can't stand them. So his character and my character have actually had some very interesting interactions. And uh, it uh, I, I might be almost working on like an insanity cure for him uh, with, with his uh, 
uh, almost getting him adjusted to like almost liking DBs. That that sounds pretty cool. Conflict makes for good role play. One of the only written non-mechanic way of dealing with an insanity therapy. So uh, there's there's a felinoid, there's a Ronith. Uh, who else is in the group? And uh, I don't know, what are some of the uh, what are there some of the adventures they've been on in uh, recent time that you can that you know of? So our roster currently consists of uh, Weiss, who's a human robot pilot. Grant Latham, who's a rather powerful mage, uh, currently a leyline rifter cr crossed between a Lord Magi. Um, Daizuki, I believe, is the pronunciation of um, the Arismal in the group. Then Ashlyn, which is sort of another superpowers type of character who's a vagabond. Barracuda, who is another superpowers mutant. And then, of course, Sir Ronith and Keiko, uh, Kyle's character. Kiko. Kiko, I apologize. So Belton is no longer with them. Belton has essentially become an NPC uh, because his character essentially uh, his character was married in the previous arc, and part of this uh, um, and his uh, wife gave birth. So his, his character, his wife, his, his Belton is now a father and now serves as an NPC. Uh, who is kind of like a connector to um, the Defenders because he has a Defenders uh, certification. Um, replaced by Belton was Daizuke. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm the one who got him, ended up getting him hooked up. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting his wife uh, studded out and things too. That's so cool. Belton's a dad. That's a great, that's a great, uh, that's a that's a great transition, and yeah, Daisuke was from originally from the Galactic game on site. Uh, he didn't Correct. Yep. spend too long because Belton had a had to move to Switzerland or some craziness. He's like a, a microbiologist, and uh, <laughs> and so you know Daisuke had a short shelf life, but I guess he pulled him out of uh, out of deep freeze and uh, stuck him in Heroes for Hire. Neat. Right. And before, and speaking to the family aspect, um, while their current, while their GM Virtus was uh, uh, dealing with real life, I had to, I ran uh, Heroes for Hire through a sort of mini campaign with the help of a different AGM who later stepped down. But uh, it was a small arc that got Weiss his family, his wife back, because his wife had been captured in a previous arc, some, I believe, over a year ago. And this was um, connecting to his wife. Oh, nice! I I, I do I you now bikes I'm just not familiar with, but uh, I do remember Grant from the last adventure I ran, which was uh, dealing with a uh, a temporal raider, and uh, Grant was like a level four character then I think or something like that, and it, it was a couple of years ago. But uh, they had to do, they had to, uh, they found the guy's underwater base because he could just like rift out, right? So wherever you need it to be. And uh, they managed to infiltrate there and, it, well, they were able to confront him, but he was able to escape, as I recall. But, uh, you know, a potential, Dolgroth, a uh, potential uh, recurring villain. 
Uh, yeah, Grant in question has uh, changed quite a bit since then. He's now level 10. Yeah, that's staggering. Okay, so, uh, well, we do have a couple minutes still left for uh, Heroes for Hire. Uh, anything else, uh, folks? Uh, what, what about the uh, kind of old school uh, retrospective? Because Heroes for Hire is the first group on EU. Maybe Nikki can uh, can start can tell us something about uh, how here's here's for hire came that came about and you know a little bit of their development that she remembers from years ago. Well, um, as I recall, it was started it, it started with Zoe meeting Ronith in a bar and thinking that he was sick. I think that's one of the very first posts I remember putting out there. And uh, I don't really remember all the details, but um, our very first adventure was something about running supplies from point A to point B. And we get the supplies to point B and we find out that it was a shipment of strawberries. We risked our lives for strawberries. Oh, hey, fresh fruit's nothing to sneer at. Oh, well, I love strawberries. They're probably hard to come by in Riff's Earth, but you know. It was just really funny. We made it all the way to the end and they opened up the crates and it was strawberries. And we're all just standing there like, uh, really? We almost died. Did they share the strawberries is probably a key question there. Of course not. See, slighted. But see, see, that's why they're the good guys, you know? Yeah, and, and this was back in 2005, I think, for that first mission. So we're talking a full 15 years ago. There weren't any real, we had, well, it was, there was only one group. So there was no real defined, there was no house rules other than character creation. And that was skeletal. Uh, and it was just basically a small board to get uh, a game going. And uh, this happened to be the first one I could think of. I was like, yeah, hey, that's for mission. That's perfect for noobs, right? So, uh, yeah, um, but that, that has turned into a lot more. Um, but, and over the years, uh, you know, the rules have all developed and everything else. But Here's for Hire has been going for 15 years now. We actually have a, a funny conversation that I've engaged with on Brian a couple times, who is uh, Sir Ronith. As old as Sir Ronith is, because he is obviously one of the originators of Heroes for Hire, with his other oldest character, Vaheld, in the Spook Squad, I often ask him which one would win in a fight between the two. Oh, that's a good question. What does Brian say? Brian says if Ronith could get the jump and get into melee range, then Ronith would probably win. But if Veheld could, if Veheld could maintain distance, Vaheld would annihilate Ronith. So it depends on which one closed the distance or kept the distance first because they're good in their own respects. But if one is in the other's territory, it's not a fair combat. If the held is in melee combat with Ronith, Ronith is going to destroy him. If he's at ranged, the held is going to destroy him. So, Yeah, I can actually uh, verify that without a doubt because uh, the last mission I think I ran Heroes for Hire through was Birthright. And that took Heroes for Hire to Norway to one of the uh, origination points for the for the Norse tribes. And uh, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, Rhonda's ended up uh, in melee with uh, a mature, but not an ancient or anything like that, a, a great horned dragon, and beat it down in under a minute. Uh, and it had to teleport the hell out of there, or it would have been massacred. Uh, and so they cleared out this demon nest that was being kind of orchestrated by Faldiar, the dragon. And uh, hash, had to remember, uh, there's another potential recurring villain, uh, a dragon with a grudge. Uh, and uh, as a result of that, uh, Odin actually brought him into into Asgard, pegged him to the Yggdrasil, and made him a full Asgardian high elf because he'd been half-breed from the original days of Rifts on EU and yeah, I, I was not very clear with the rules. Gods can do whatever they want in Rifts. We already know that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, so uh, let us transition over. Uh, the next thing is the Roughnecks. Uh, so we got this group chat going. Uh, let's talk about the Roughnecks, folks. I think I'm the only representative uh, from the Roughnecks. I'll shoot with you because of JTFA and the fact that I helped toss ideas with Jim. Oh, okay. So I'll, uh, I'll maybe, shoot with you, I'll but get, I'll let you I'll start. Some sneak peeks. Sneak peeks. Uh, no, but. Aww. And I ran Murdoch in the Roughnecks for a number of years up until last March. Oh, okay. Nice. Well, so I run, um, I run Wolf. A, uh, he's actually my first character on uh, on EU. Uh, I've only been with the Roughnecks for about a year and a half now, give or take. Um, and uh, I started with them through uh, the JTFA that Nate had mentioned previously. It was a uh, joint venture between the Roughnecks, the Spook Squad, and uh, Mars. <clears throat> so in uh, in in doing that, my character is a uh, a gunslinger. Uh, he's a uh, you're plain old normal human, nothing special about him, except that he's really, really good with uh, six shooters. And paranoid. Oh, yeah, he's paranoid as fuck. Um, I've got, uh, when I write him, I have to write, uh, I, I have, he's almost got a split personality uh, in his head. I highlight his, uh, his paranoid side um, in a different color, so it makes it, in his head, he's basically having this back and forth conversation with the paranoid side, basically trying to convince him to shoot first on every single person that he meets and all of his counter arguments to not just immediately shoot every single person that he comes across. To include his former, to include his teammates. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. So who all is in the Roughnecks at present and what are they doing? Uh, at present in the Roughnecks, we've got uh, the leader, uh, Wakazia. He's a, a, a human cyber knight. Um, based off this last uh, level up, he just uh, made the move into crossing into the Mind Melter OCC. Uh, Will Summers is a uh, human battle mangus. Uh, basically, he's like a combat mage. Uh, John Atfield is a HU2 experiment wilderness scout. Uh, he's got a lot of interesting mutant abilities. Uh, there's also Jack Killian, who's a uh, uh, basically he's a psionic flame guy and our two new people are Seamus Finch who's a Phaethion juicer and uh, Lux who's a Atlantean temporal wizard so those two have joined us um, within the last like two months or so 
So we're still getting used to, to them. And so what are the, what's the current predicament? Where are they at with who they doing, et cetera? Uh, currently, I believe we're slated to start our new adventure in the next one or two weeks. Uh, so we've just finished up a lot of um, uh, so the JTFA just finished up and characters have been rearming, refitting and uh, getting ready to get back out there. Uh, so our our GM has been uh, uh, pretty good about um, or our, our GM and our AGM have been pretty good about getting uh, everything for the characters that were, were needed, uh, shopping posts and all that. So yeah, within the next like two weeks, I'd say the, uh, the group's getting ready to head back out. I'm just not sure where yet. Ah, between adventures. Okay. Yeah, the I think the last thing I remember jamming the Roughnecks on was getting them out of Morogot. So this was a number of years ago. But at one point, uh, and it wasn't long but, uh, after, you know, aside from JTFA, uh, it wasn't long after they were formed. And they had a lot of uh, volatility and turnover in the group. Uh, they ended up getting sucked into a dimensional vortex and into what they came to learn was the inside the body of an of a of an alien intelligence that was hundred hundreds of miles long parasite basically and so it was like a fantastic voyage uh meets uh event horizon kind of <laughs> it was horrific uh and the entire atmosphere of the insides was toxic everything was tinted a bright uh nauseating blue so like everything they saw everything in like this super bright blue hue uh which was fun to do on photoshop uh and it was and so they they started off around its like mid throat and ended up uh <clears throat> um well it's it's anus was basically a dimen another dimensional uh, vo vortex, uh, but in the opposite direction. So they got spat out the ass end of a of an alien intelligence into uh, another world, and I think that landed them on Odok in the Here's Unlimited uh, universe, and they finally made their way out of there back to Rift's Earth. I, I don't remember how. They've definitely been through a lot in the most recent JTFA. Two of their characters got a really close taste to uh, horror GMing as one of them died and one of them committed mass murder. Yeah, I, well, I, I do remember killing Will. I don't remember uh, any mass murder. I mean, Jack Killian bursting, oh, yeah. Up, oh, yeah. the, uh, bursting up the hostages. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he didn't specify his, uh, how big he was making the fire, and he just kind of torched the whole area. Yeah, burning a couple dozen people to cinders uh, with uh, your flame on. Yeah, that's... That, that's Good old pyrotex. I hope that the burster faces some consequences down the line for that. Should make for interesting roleplay. So, anything else about the uh, Roughnecks? Uh, since they're between adventures, I guess uh, there's not a lot to say about what's going on at present. Uh, anything uh, in the recent past that's of, of note? And of course, are they hiring? What about uh, Murdoch as the former one? Well, Murdoch came in 
he was there during the snafu years. And uh, let's see, his introduction was, God, we were facing, I believe it was the Bone Brothers in a zombie kind of entity thing. And then after that, there was the Mexico Expedition, which is when actually Jack Killian burst in from where he started on the Australia game, from the Australia game, when the Australia game collapsed. And I believe John Atfield came in during the Mexico Expedition as well, where we were fighting vampires and had help from various South American gods and whatnot. was... An interesting time, I'll say the least, let alone the uh, equipment flubs that were had at that time. Oh, yeah. Snafu never did anything small. Everything had to be on the most gigantic and epic scale. Speaking to the uh, um, are they hiring, currently they do have one opening. Their AGM is uh, solid, and their uh, Game Master has... In the past, in the recent past at least, I don't know how it is currently, but he has in the recent past put out the um, opening that he would step down if someone else wanted to GM. So if anyone's feeling up to that, they might want to reach out to him and see if how he's feeling about that right now. So what I can say to that is uh, I've, I've talked to Jim about this um, several times, and uh, Jim is um, – he, he will be the GM up until someone – expresses interest in being the GM for the Roughnecks. Um, so he's, he's not just going to leave the group high and dry. He's, he's waiting for someone else to come up and, and, and take the reins. Um, in talking with him, he, he doesn't feel up to dealing with some of the higher-powered characters in the group. Um, I think he has trouble um, maybe coming up with things, or it's something to do with some of the higher-power characters that are in the, in the group. Yeah, and there can be definite personality conflicts and stuff. And, you know, we see this in every tabletop group we've ever been in in real life. There's, there's always certain people you'd rather not play with if you have if you have your druthers and stuff like that or GM for. And so, you know, these are, these are always, uh, you know, factors to be taken into account. Um, okay, uh, is there anything uh, more for the Roughnecks and or would we like to uh, continue? on a little bit more we've still got a little bit of time for them if needed i'll caveat on uh the uh what kyle said about not knowing how to play uh uh the challenges of gming for the higher powered characters for example there are several sdc characters in the roughnecks wolf being one of them just a normal human being um and then you have a character like john altfield who can become ha who can become basically stronger than almost any god by book definition beyond godlike powers but he has several thousand mdc he's almost 100 feet tall um how do you and how, how do you create a campaign that is both challenging and fun for character a and character b when they are completely different scales of abilities i've got an answer on that you make it up for it with the volume of enemies and the number of civilians present that y'all have to deal with. <laughs> that's actually, that's what, that's what Lloyd did in JTFA, I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, actually, I, I had a really good, interesting way of fixing that, by the way. Uh, so Lloyd threw us into this, uh, into this tunnel, 
and there were some undead at the other end of it, and there were a bunch of civilians that got freed. So there's between my character and where the action is are all these civilians. Well, him being a gunslinger, one of his abilities is he can ricochet bullets. So he held up a pocket mirror up above the crowd's head, used it to aim, and then ricocheted some bullets off the ceiling into his target. And John was in the uh, same uh, tunnel wanting to be his full size. Yes, he and, did. Yes, he did. I was like, <laughs> yeah, the volume of that will literally fill the tunnel and kill everybody. Just saying. Yeah, I was really glad you said that because it was it was maybe like my, I think it was like the fifth or sixth week I'd been on the site and I'm like I really don't want to like have my character immediately get hi I'm new here poop oh I'm dead <laughs> roll a new character this time make sure it's powerful hey maybe have the guy who killed your old character pay for the new one <laughs> but yeah it's it's very challenging uh, jamming if a group doesn't have a relatively consistent scale like you have characters like Wakiza and John who are ultra powerful. Uh, Wakiza just because primarily he has really good equipment and he's high level. It's not the innate nature of the character. Uh, character's just a fairly strong character. Uh, but with his gear, in addition to that, it's really powerful. Uh, John is just a monster. So uh, innately. Uh, so it doesn't even matter what level he is. Um, but yeah, it's the combination of powers that make him just ridiculous. Um, and that's one of the fun exploits in Heroes Unlimited, which is a uh, potentially good segue, I think, uh, since we got a lot of people here uh, for the uh, resurrection uh, group. I suppose I will uh, transition us a little early and give us an extra four minutes. And... Uh, Let's get us started talking about uh, about um, Harrison Limited to Resurrection and the first expeditionary force. Well, Nate and I were both locked in the room, tied down. I want to hear what happened out with the rest of the group. Okay, so I this is too. covering the first episode, the first adventure. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, they were locked in the room, so they have no idea what happened with the other fits. Yeah, we saw some roles here and there, but for the most part, you know, it was us conversing in I character. Think, I think that while uh, James and my characters were locked in the, in that room, we got some pretty good one-on-one uh, -on -one role play going. I I like the uh, the adventure because it really plays on a fear that a lot uh, that they try to, or a, uh, not a fear, but a uh, urban legend of that you hear a lot around uh, bases of. Yeah, wake up with your kidney removed, but that's what we did. We woke up after uh, going out and meeting some women and I've, my character woke up, strapped to a bed and Nate's character woke up uh, tied to a chair that had tipped over and we went from there All with right. blood stains on the carpet yeah it was not pretty but um let me tell you how the adventure kind of came together because that was my fault really uh Lloyd basically dumped a handful of maps on my desk 
and said, make an adventure out of these. Don't let it be a bar fight. Because I think everybody was getting sick of the bar fights. The first thing that popped to my head was somebody's getting kidnapped and you know somebody's going to potentially get their organs harvested because well the Arismal are not really keen into uh, cybernetics and whatnot, so maybe organs would be better off. And uh, in this case, the uh, the Arismal crew, it's sort of like a I think Star Trek, right? Everybody playing an Arismal character are part of the uh, senior staff of a ship and uh, they're getting ready to ship out. You know, Rismal's still standing, so to speak. And, uh, you know, everybody's out having a good time. So they all start out at a casino and James's character and Nate's character, they end up running into um, a couple of women who basically have them drugged and uh, they go to try and take their, their organs. So um, the, other, um, the other three characters that were playing that night, it was basically up to them to try and track down uh, Lomat and Nate, your character's name was Pierce, I think, right? Correct. All right, so we had Lomat and Pierce and uh, you know they just kind of disappeared. So everybody else was trying to figure out what had happened to them. And uh, what, what happened was uh, they made some perception checks. They found out that Lomat liked uh, like a certain little, um, uh, like, what do you call it? Like a food stall, I guess, at this one part of the map near the subway. And uh, the girls that you guys had been with, they decided to uh, talk you guys into going to a diner. And that's where you actually got drugged. So uh, there was like a it wasn't the surgeon that you guys thought it was. It was actually the cook that they were chasing down. And uh, they just kind of followed these trails of, of the clues that were left behind while you guys were waking up and trying to get yourselves free and, you know, dealing with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Brielle, I think, right? And the power callers, the power uh, limit, limiter callers. Yeah, well, you know, we couldn't let you guys get away too quickly before everybody else found you. Oh, without those, there wouldn't have been a contest. Exactly. So, well, um, actually, well, because Pierce can magically open doors and things, he he becomes he one with the building. The, the locks on the handcuffs or rope or whatever they had him with. Oh yeah, but that's I, that's I fair. Limited offensive capability. Getting the angle and getting the handcuffs off without actually hurting myself would have been an issue as well. Well, if you but guys it's not get like free. they would have been able to know that, uh, what powers you had ahead of time. True. I'm just saying if they didn't have the expensive power dampening collars, it still would have been a little bit of a job to get uh, free and out. Every time they try to open the door to come and interrogate us or operate on us, it just slams in their face. Especially if Lloyd had us drugged with a uh, uh, negatives, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, if we had penalties for being drugged. Yeah, I was being kind. I didn't want to do that. Yeah, the idea was just to separate you two. And um, also, you guys gave me some really great feedback. You wanted to keep the group together and whatnot. The reason why the group was split 
and not, you know, like NPCs were being used or anything. It's just that, you know, if you're a captain and your NPCs just go missing, you know, who cares? The ship is leaving without them, you know? So, you know, Everett had to care about his buddy Lomat going out or, you know, that sort of thing. It was also interesting how they decided. I'm pretty sure they had Lomat on the on the on the on the target for being one of the people gone. And then randomly, Lloyd just asked me, "Hey, Nate, is your character single?" Yeah. <laughs> and then I and then I didn't hear anything about it for the rest of the for the rest of it. And then all of a sudden, he got drugged. Well, okay. So we were trying to pick out characters that would you know, potentially be, you know, hooking up with a girl the night before they're supposed to leave, right? So like Everett immediately up because he has a family. We're like, uh, probably not. He seems, you know, like I said, family guy, right? So we were looking for single folks. And it was actually supposed to be Harkin that was going to go with us too, but you know, he couldn't show up that night. So we had to uh, kind of scramble a bit on that one. Yeah, the what, last minute planning kind of sucked. Sorry, go ahead, John. What really made the uh, game fun on um, our end, the uh, on the outside of the room, hunting down Lomat and Pierce, is all of the critical fails that we suffered. <laughs> so glad you brought that up. That was that was awesome. Uh, yeah, we suffered a few of those critical failures in the room. Also, made my character go face first with a bloody carpet. Also awesome. I have never before seen so many critical failures, and I hope this trend continues because it was. We don't hilarious. hope that trend continues. It was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> to Lloyd one and I person. had a great time. Two people to the peanut gallery. I was expecting a low key, uh, kind of fun, uh, chill adventure where it's like, oh shit, the captain. And the DCO are lost. We got to go find them. They've missed ship movement. Everett gets promoted in the worst way he's ever going to, you know, he could conceive. So, you know, his best friend getting getting fired, basically, from the ADF. So it was like, oh. And then all the comedy errors that ensued is just magnificent. Uh, so tell us a bit about your characters, folks. I mean, uh, we got a we got plenty we got a plenty of time. Uh, and who's the bridge crew? Uh, you know, etc. Well, I play Lomat Takar, the captain uh, and player, apparently, in the literal sense. Anyway, as well as a whatever. played. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has. Let's see. He has the frequency absorption power the immune to psionics power, and the control the void power. Uh, when I coming up with his background, I played off of the fact that the psionic characters on Arasmal are a specialty class almost. His parents were both psionic characters, so he got a little too much of that. So when he manifested superpowers, the first one he got was the immune to psionics, so they could no longer read his mind. A key power if you're a kid. Yes. That must have driven his parents insane. Oh, thank God. I can lie to my parents like normal kids. Yep. And he ran off after school, and uh, Everett, his friend from high school, 
uh, encouraged him to join up after they finished college. My favorite was the session zero when we were going over our character background and those of us who have joint intermingling stories was when Sarah's character, Liana, was talking about Harkin and Harkin's character being in the hospital all the time and how she would try to uh, embarrass him by shouting, you need this cream for your rash. And that's why we are, I've been told that story in character and he is now uh, got a call sign of the cream. At least in my head, it is. You're the captain. As far as anyone else is concerned, that's his call sign now. Oh yeah. You guys need to come up with call signs before too long. And after this last little adventure, that could be interesting. So, yeah, and remember, they're often embarrassing or, uh, you know, something noteworthy, although they can be something as lame as just a play on words like your name or whatever. So, uh, yeah, be sure to uh, think of that over the next couple of sessions as we play. Uh, by before Christmas time, I'll definitely be like, hey, what's your call signs? Uh, and, it, of course, I will not be asking the player whose call sign is up what they'd want it to be, because that has no bearing whatsoever on what someone's call sign will be. And John, go ahead. So the character I play in HU2 uh, Galaxy is, his name is Scotty Hiroto. Uh, but Scotty is uh, spelled a little differently than what you might expect. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, he is the ship's engineering officer, and he chose to join the ADF because he's more or less running away from home. I mean, he he, he was old enough to join uh, and all that. It's just that he he's leaving home for a, for a breath of fresh air to get away from a toxic environment. And now, he's now stretching his uh, his abilities and trying to see who he really is that's a really good motive actually um i mean that's what i often saw when i was a recruiter for the navy was people just wanting to get the hell out of dodge sometimes out of a bad situation but more and more often than not just like man i'm sick of this this 40 square miles of the world that i know like the back of my hand and i want to see something new so yeah that's a really good motive uh, what about uh, the like? Okay, you got your guys' characters have roles, and but I, I think of uh, when I think of a, the bridge crew, I think of the the kind of personality they're bringing to the 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 staff mechanic, as it were, that or the dynamic rather. Uh, like you know, you have the thoughtful Picard, you know, very diplomatic. The force is the last thing used, but he's capable of it, and he's he's willing. And then you have the kind of more dashing Will Riker in the earlier seasons. Uh, and, you know, uh, the, these little kind of uh, character variations that add a lot of flavor to the, who the bridge crew is. Uh, what about yourselves? How do you, how do you see your characters in, 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 in these regards? Scotty is, uh, I, I'm trying to play him as a very cheerful kind of person. Uh, glass half full. That uh, type of guy. 
I'll jump in. Donovan Pierce uh, is mine for the for the damage control officer. Um, I play him as uh, more of a uh, military minded. He joined because his entire family is in, and that's the type of attitude that he brings in. So he respects the rank, so to speak. He respects the protocol. He respects the ship. He's been around ships his whole life kind of thing. Um, and that's the kind of attitude that he brings into play. But he's also not necessarily always on the bridge. Ah, so your guy is the lifer. It shows in his role play, too, the military bearing. That was really that was what I tried to do with him, yeah. And he he technically is a subsec of the uh, engineering department, so he technically falls underneath Scotty. But when it when it comes to actual combat, he'd be reporting directly to the bridge what's going on and what he can do, which is why I I love the power that he has, which is inhabitation, and it lets him know the vessel that he's in. But after a conversation with Lloyd, uh, we applied the we applied the power to spaceships as well because they are essentially flying buildings. So that was what we kind of went off of and we just changed the range on it a little bit. Um, just tweaked it there to make it work. Um, but he follows that very uh, military mindset and I'm kind of um, building him to double up as in, in conjunction with damage control to double up as impromptu security as well because he has that inhabitation power. So he has all the means to be the security type officer. And so I guess this brings us to what kind of captain is in charge of this ship? One who does not like his parents. Well, his psyops parents who were very controlling and whatnot. He was on his way to be a beach bum when uh, Steve's character Everett, pulled him out and convinced him to join up that it wouldn't be like uh, being with his family. His is a way to get out from underneath his parents' control, I guess, by joining the same military that they work for, but, you know, different division because he's not psychic. Uh, so maybe a bit of the reluctant hero type? Oh, definitely. He's going to be, well, actually being the player that he was, trying to get his his uh, uh, hookup before he was getting out of Dodge <laughs> would fit his personality perfectly, <laughs> I believe. Uh, let's see, he's... So this captain's going to be all about the port of calls. I wouldn't go that far, but he's definitely got his, his more, I don't want to say wild side, but his more laid back side. When he's not working, he's not working. Okay, note to self, uh, introduce some sort of Ryza-like pleasure planet somewhere. We have our, you know, Captain Kirk here. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. the perfect parallel. That That is the perfect parallel. I didn't even think of it when I was making them up. I was going more off of the, uh, he doesn't like his parents being psyops and, and, you know, the pushes, as it were, or little mind reads to see if he's telling the truth kind of thing when he was a little kid, just started to pile up on him this actually uh mirrors Riker's character who hated his uh dad on uh tng ah yes i remember that character that that actually works but yeah and then prior to him joining our thereabouts after college i decided on him going to college instead of just being a beach bum otherwise 
I didn't see the position as captain being one that he would have received with no college education. So he did uh, alien studies in a business major when he was in college. And then his mother died and left just him and his dad as an only child of a very late birth. They were in their 40s when he was born. So, yeah, he kind of makes up with his dad and lets uh, Everett convince him to join the ADF and off it goes. Well, this is an, it's an interesting uh, a set of, uh, of personalities that are working together here. So your first visit is going to be ODOC, uh, apparently, I think by uh, unanimous consent, pretty much. Uh, and so you'll be heading uh, towards the rim even further. And, uh, well, that should be interesting. Uh, should take you a number of weeks to get there. And uh, then we will see uh, what interesting things ODOC has in store for you. And with that, uh, and, and maybe after all this exposure, maybe uh, maybe Kyle will end up uh, uh, getting uh, getting hooked on this. <laughs> but oh, I've got way too much on my plate right now. I'm I'm about as stretched as I can get. Oh, that's okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we got a, a pretty good overview. Anything else? Uh, anybody want to say about the HU two game, uh, the resurrection? We're always looking for new players on any of the Roll20 games. So we do have the the Arismal game going now. We have a Fantasy game and a Rifts game. Oh, and one little more, one more little observation. I'm interested to see how, uh, how the crew starts to interact with uh, Tanaka and Corbin, the NPC urge officers in, uh, in the near future, especially through Discord chat, that should be uh, that should be interesting because during downtime in Discord, we got that going on in there, and uh, they're planning their their moves, where they're heading, and everything else, and that should that should all be very interesting. Uh, anything else uh, for HU2 Resurrection? And with that. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I bid you a good night and thanks for joining us on uh, Radio Free Murktown number 54. And for those of you going into uh, the Roll20 game after this, I'll see you there. See you then. Cool. Take care. See you guys. This has been Radio Free Murktown, a WMRK production. Contact us at RadioFreeMurktown at gmail.com and support Radio Free Murktown on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Visit us on the web at ExplorersUnlimited.com for more information.